This is Back of the Net and Beyond. Today I'm going to be speaking to Stuart Robson, who's a former Speedway racer. How's it going, Stuart? You okay? Yeah, all good at the moment, thanks. Yes, Danny. Yeah, really good, thanks. Good stuff. And how's life treating you at the moment? Uh, at the moment, yeah, it's not too bad. Not too bad. I'm back in work after, um, like, with a bit of a this lockdown initially, and then because uh, I work on building sites, so okay. I kind of had to go off site for a little bit, and then yeah. um, I'm back back on the sites. Uh, so yeah, all good. I had to get a, a job at uh, uh, delivery driving for Tesco. Actually, it's where. I, Okay. I'm still self-employed. Yeah. I uh, needed to do something quick, and we did that for about four months. Okay. That's good. And, and how did you find that? Obviously, I'm assuming you did that because the lockdown situation and kind of your situation in terms of being um, self-employed as well. So how did you find that process? Um, I actually didn't mind it. The job itself was all right. It, yeah. it's, uh, it was... It was nice because there was no traffic on the road mm. initially. Like, literally, I was the only vehicle on the road a lot of the time. It was great. <laughs> so you just moving around and meeting lots of new people when you're delivering. So you're chatting on to people. Yeah. A lot of the elderly people, like you're the only people, only person you see all day. Yeah. So yeah. having a bit of chat to them, drop the shopping. And it wasn't hard work. It was, mm. it was yeah, everything was pre-programmed into the little sat-nav you get. Mm. And yeah, just that load the vans up. That was about the hardest thing to do. Mm. Yeah, enjoy, I enjoyed it actually. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. I mean, so I've been speaking to you for what, 30 seconds? So I've kind of, you've shown kind of what your character is to a certain degree to, to go from obviously being a professional athlete, which we'll touch on uh, shortly, to then being in a situation like all of us where you, you're in a, a lockdown situation. And luckily for me, I was um, fully employed. Uh, well, but not self-employed, uh, full and full-time employment, and obviously I was put on furlough with kind of maximum pay, so it didn't really affect me from that perspective, aside from the, the other stuff, which will naturally affect you anyway. But for you being kind of self-employed, it's kind of down to you to find your kind of next source of income, if that makes sense. Um, and for you, you've gone yeah. out and kind of um, you've gone down that route where you thought, well, I need to get some some money in. And you've obviously gone down that route where a lot of people would quite probably turn their nose up at that, especially being a former athlete. Um, so that, that shows a lot of character. I mean, what was the situation? Did you have to go through an interview process or were they desperate to get people in? They just said, look, just come in and, and, and kind of learn on the job. A uh, bit of both, a bit of both. I had a, I had a couple of um, interviews sort of, they did, I think they did a lot of the elimination in, on the application process right. and then there was a quick interview and then a very quick uh, sort of training day so to speak mm. and then yeah you learn the job from then but it's normally a process that takes uh, at least two to three weeks I think or maybe longer and we did it in a day so okay. um, but the, the, I think the, the guys who the chores both males and females, uh, they weren't looking for anyone in particular, just looking for people who, uh, who, yeah. who they thought they were, they were pretty good, I think, with, with their choice. Yeah. And everyone who they chose did, most of the people seemed to last uh, quite a while in there mm. until they got back to their own job or to the, or whatever, you know, they got, maybe they found something else. Or, right. But yeah, I was one of the last in from the group that started with me, which was a week after initial lockdown, mm. I started. So I got the job quite quick. Yeah, and um, I think I went on for. I only stopped uh, about two weekends ago. That was my last week because I ended up just doing weekends. With me getting back to, on site on the building sites, mm -hmm. uh, I was working midweek, like Monday to Friday, of them, and yeah. then I was doing Saturdays and Sundays at the at, at Tesco's. Right. Uh, only doing it four hours each day, so I wasn't doing full days. Okay. But I, I hung on to it just in case everything went pear-shaped again. No, like no one knew what was going to happen, did they? So, no. you know, if there was another lockdown or the sites closed for whatever reason, then mm. I would have had to get off and find work again. And I needed an income because I've still got a mortgage and I've still got oh, bills to pay. Yeah. And my daughter goes to nursery, and yeah. you know we've still got to eat and everything else. So mm. yeah, that's massive. And uh, I mean, a huge congratulations goes out to you for obviously for, for doing that. 
Uh, I'm supposing that it kind of made it a bit easier because you enjoyed actually doing it. Yes, it did. Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, I've, with, with doing the racing I did, I was driving all the time. Mm. Um, so driving around didn't bother me. Like driving the vans, obviously that's where I, I drive a van as my everyday vehicle anyway. Right. So it was just, um, <clears throat> yeah, it didn't bother me one little bit. It wasn't, like I say, it wasn't hard work. It was mm. the most physical part of the job was putting the trays on and off the van. So right. that was it. They're, they're, they've got to, I don't know what the maximum weight was, but none of them were that, that heavy, you know, like you couldn't lift them. So yeah, it was it was good. It was especially like I said, especially while the roads were so quiet, it was great. Yeah. I, yeah. I love driving around like that. It was the, like I said, the only vehicle on the road a lot of times, and yeah. it was brilliant. And the weather was beautiful. Exactly. Yeah, the first few weeks of lockdown, <clears throat> I think we all got blessed with the, the weather that we had. Um, so yeah, we we're lucky from that perspective. Anyway, um, yeah, that's great. I mean, brilliant that you've done that, and that again shows character. And this is one of the things that I keep trying to tell athletes and former athletes. Sometimes you're not always going to be able to have that lifestyle that you may have had beforehand. Um, whether you're kind of coming from the higher echelons of your chosen field, or even maybe you're like towards the, to the lower end of your chosen field, there's always a kind of certain lifestyle attached to elements of certain sports, especially football and rugby and, and tennis and things like that. Um, so again, for you to step away from that, and obviously we knew, well, you just mentioned that you had a job already on a self-employed basis, but then you've had to step away from that and maybe go into something mm -hmm. kind of out of your, your comfort zone. So that's a massive yeah. kind of uh, like step and it shows that you've got character and resilience to do that. Um, but yeah, I'm going to touch on kind of what you're actually doing now a bit later, if that's okay. Um, mm -hmm. You mentioned that you're actually working on a building site, which is great. And I don't think I've spoken to someone who's actually done that um, whilst I've been doing the podcast anyway. Um, but in terms of your career, Speedway, uh, first guest on that I've had uh, from a Speedway um, kind of um, sporting world anyway, um, I know nothing about Speedway. So you're going to have to like, strip it back to basics because I want to know as much as possible. So just tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about Speedway if possible. Right. Speedway is um, on an oval dirt track. Uh, there's four bikes, four guys in a race at any one time no more than that in, in the UK. Mm. And we do four lap race from a stand and start. So we have um, what the starting gate where there's tapes go across in front of you. Mm. As the tapes rise, you drop the clutch and off you go and you've got mm. four laps to win the race. Right. Uh, it's, it's a team sport in the UK. Mm -hmm. And it's, it, it's, it's relatively popular. The popularity has dropped over the years. Mm. Uh, but back in the sort of 70s and 80s when I was too young to be to be racing then mm. um, it was more so the 70s it was very popular there was some uh, big names around in the sport mm -hmm. and it was it was very popular then but it's dropped off quite a lot really we we're lucky to get a thousand people to a lot of meetings these days okay but um, yeah it's still it's still going there's still it's a good sport to do it's mm. good fun there's a good social side to it um, well, there's a serious side to it as well, obviously, because it is professional sport, yeah. and it is a team event. So there's teams up and down the country. Uh, obviously, every team has their home track, mm -hmm. and every team goes to the away tracks, right. just the same as football, you know, and, and yeah. rugby, same, you know, same sort of. Thing. And the leagues run in the same sort of way. Uh, I think it's like three points to win mm -hmm. uh, a meeting uh, on your for your league table, yeah. and and none for a if, if you lose obviously and i think it's one point for a draw i think that's what it is i can't remember now because i've been out of it a couple of years now i don't know right. <laughs> i don't know if they've changed things you see yeah but as yeah. far as the racing itself goes the race four rides in the race like i said four yeah. laps first rider gets three points second rider two third rider one if you okay. finish at the back zero points wow. and the way it works as far as payment goes is it's you get paid per point you score Okay. So it's performance related peer. Right. And if you don't score any points, you really don't get paid. So wow. quite a difficult one. But with it being a team event, yeah. you've got you two two riders from each team in any one race at a time. Mm -hmm. And uh if you you and your team may finish first and second consecutively, uh the, the guy finishing second gets what's called a bonus point. 
so you will get paid for three points. You know, so you're not you, you're not racing against your teammate. You know, it gives you incentive to to ride together. All right, um, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, same if you finish second and third as well. But if you finish third and fourth, that's it. You, you get one point for third and zero for last still. Wow. I suppose then there's a lot of pressure. I mean, in sport, especially professional sport, there's naturally that element of pressure anyway. But I suppose from, I always talk about football, just because I'm obviously from a football background. But yes, it's a team game. And yes, obviously you want your own personal success. But at the end of the month, you're always going to get paid unless the club's in financial difficulty or whatever. But with Speedway, it sounds like you could do all the groundwork, all the training. You obviously got to pay for all your gear and stuff. Um, and then you race and then you come last and you, you don't get any financial reward for it. So in some ways, you can end up, what, in financial difficulty, ne negative equity? I don't know what you really call it in your terms, but I mean, that must be really difficult to deal with. I don't know if you've ever come across that situation at all. Yeah. Yes, I have. Yeah. Because mm. it's like, then obviously, injuries is part and parcel of it. So, um, there's one at least a couple of times I can remember going to Edinburgh. Uh, mm. I live in the, I live in the Midlands now. I'm from Sunderland originally. Yeah. Uh, but I uh, I live in the Midlands. Have done for quite a long time. But yeah. we're driving our way to Edinburgh, and uh, or I've done a, a one or two tracks. You go out in your first race, you have a crash. Not necessarily your own fault. It might be another rider made a mistake, clipped you. Yeah. Nothing intentional, but you know, just one of them things. What happens? Mm. You're out injured. You, you've you've done one lap maybe, um, and you don't score any points. Yeah. And you've got a bent bike, and damn, maybe your helmet's broke, so that needs replacing. And you've got to replace part of your bike, and and then you can't take your part, your place in the rest of the meeting because you're injured. <clears throat> so that's it. You know, you've you've done something. You've driven for seven hours to get there. Uh, got injured. Got injured. Earn no money. It cost you a lot of money to be there because you have to pay a mechanic. Yeah. Obviously, you pay your fuel, etc., and the, the running costs of the van, and uh, you know, and yeah, and you got a seven-hour drive home. <laughs> Jesus. So. so I'm thinking. I mean, obviously, the long journey home that'll be a nightmare anyway. Um, I've, I've had a few of those myself, but different circumstances, as I mentioned. So I'm just thinking, kind of in the short term, essentially, if your kind of financial background isn't, you haven't got like sound financial backing to a certain degree and you lose, what, three or four races on a bounce, that can more or less, I don't know if I'm being over drastic, can that more or less end your career, essentially? No, not, not really, not, not end your career. It'll mm. just puts a, it gives you a, um, a bad night, really. That's all it is. Right. You, you've, got to, you've got to just put it behind you, and then mm. you go to the next meeting, and, and then you start again. But right. you basically haven't earned anything that meeting. Yeah. Well, you might get a guarantee. You might have a, a, a minimum earning guarantee, so at right. least to cover your fuel costs and your um, maybe some, you know, a little bit more of your costs towards towards your costs for going. Mm. But not everyone gets that. Right. Generally, only the more uh, successful riders might get that. Or, you know, guys who have been around a bit longer, mm. uh, more experienced, because they know to ask for it in the deal. Not everyone right. gets it. So sometimes you will literally go. And, and get nothing. So Jesus. I mean, so like how does it work from um like a an athlete's point of view? I know you said like you're in a team situation, um, but is there like a lot of funding that's needed, sponsorship and things like that? Yes. Yeah, very much so because the it, obviously the motorbikes they need a lot of upkeep. Mm. So the engines the engines are um highly tuned and they'll they're They've got to be serviced. I used to get my my engine serviced every twenty five races. Okay. Then each race lasts approximately one minute. Wow. So you, um, literally about twenty five minutes use out of an engine before it needs a service. And um, you know that services can cost uh, upwards to a thousand pound. You know, generally it's a couple hundred pound minimum upwards to about a thousand pounds for a service, depending on what needs doing. If it's a major service, sometimes you might, if you need a new, new piston and a new rod and things like that, you, you're talking thousand pound plus. Uh, it's, it's not cheap. Um, so there's a lot of upkeep there. There's the general maintenance of the bike itself. 
So clutch plates. We run dry clutches. We don't run clutches in oil like what a road bike would or a motocross bike. Okay. Clutches around dry and they wear quite quickly. Right. Uh, you are forever changing clutch plates. Hmm. Um, and the you've got seven clutch plates. You've got fiber plates and you've got an alloy plate in between the fibers. Mm-hmm. So the fiber plates range from something like probably around about 15 pound each. I can't remember exactly. 10 to 15 pound each upwards to about 40 pound each. And the alloys, I think the, the probably is around about the 40 pound each mark now. Jeez. So, <clears throat> you know, you're changing them pretty regular. Yeah. Um, things like tires, uh, cables, um, handle grips, you know, things. It, it all mounts up as far as the maintenance of the bike goes. But you're not just running one bike. You run right. a, you run a minimum of two bikes. Okay. Uh, and I my last season I was running two bikes and I think four engines. Okay. So, but when I was sort of at my at the my prime as such, which was a few years back now, I got as when I got to the top of my uh, level, I got to. Mm. I was running something like four bikes and eight engines. Jesus. So, you know, to buy a bike now is probably around about £10,000. Uh, yeah. So uh, it's, definitely, uh, it's definitely an expensive sport. Um, it, I mean, I know yeah. at the top I mentioned that I don't really know much about it, which is true, but I'm just uh, recollecting when I was kind of down south when I was living in Bournemouth, and we actually mm-hmm. went to a track. I don't know if it was actually, well, it must have been obviously in and around Bournemouth, but I don't know exactly where it was. Um, yeah, yeah, and I remember um, a few of my teammates at the time saying, oh, like, we've, we've been here before and it's great. And I was like, well, I've only kind of seen it a couple of times on TV. This is going back, I don't know, 2002. Um, yeah, yeah. Literally, I went and I, I really enjoyed it. Obviously, it's really noisy and it's just, they're so fast and obviously like you said the race is kind of you start and then it's over before you kind of realize it's like i can't really explain it in and give it justice at the same time it's one of those things where kind of as a spectator you probably have to go in and actually see it uh physically but yeah i really enjoyed it and obviously the whole thing like we had hospitality as well so we had the food and whatever else and we were there for like a few hours and just yeah it was really really good never seen anything like it to be honest really enjoyed it yeah, Pool Pool have been one of the top teams in in the what was the top league for quite a long time. You know they've they've yeah. won the league quite a lot of times, and the the, the promotion down there have been very successful. Mm. And um, <clears throat> they've been very good at what they do. They've always put good teams together, and there's been some really good meetings. And mm. I used to, I used to ride a lot for Coventry. Yeah. And there was always major rivalry between Coventry and Poole. It was there okay. some really, really good meetings there. And yeah. uh, so it was quite a few times we've been there. And results have gone both ways. I've been down there and won, been down there and lost, been down there and drawn. They've been to Coventry, done the same, you know, won, lost, yeah. drawn. It's, it's, it's been good. It's always, it's, it's always good rivalry, but um, it's a friendly rivalry, you know, but it's... Um, yeah. But it, when you're on the track, you you're out there to win. There's no there's no letting up. Um, but every, off the track, a lot of riders are friends. Okay. Um, and I was, you know, we we all want to race again the next year. So we you, mm. you've got to have respect for your for your fellow riders. Yeah, of course. Um, <clears throat> uh, you know, you can push and push, but then there's always got to be a limit to where yeah. you stop pushing, and because it's going to mean injury to another rider. That's that's the thing. If they end up crashing because of yums something you did intentionally as well. It's not, yeah. not really good to be like that. Yeah, Some people are like that. Some people, most people aren't, though. Yeah. <laughs> Random question. I heard yep. recently, um, obviously, when we were uh, uh, going to attend the race and stuff, and people saying <laughs> like, there's no brakes um, on the bikes. I don't know how true that is. Yeah, that's true. Sorry, have I gone? I went off there. I've just had a phone call come in. Yeah, that is true. There's no, no brakes, um, no gears. Jesus. There's a clutch. There's a throttle, and that's it. You drop the clutch and off you go. It's a direct drive, is what I think it's the term is. Um, yeah. 500cc engine. So they're putting, they're putting that around about 80 horsepower, I think, 80 brake horse. Thereabouts, I think. 
and the bikes only weigh around about 80 kilo. Yeah. Or like power to weight ratio, there's, um, they're, they're quick. Yeah, they, I think they say they do not to six in about two seconds. So, I mean, you, you, um, you do get off the line pretty sharp. So you've got to be quick yeah. with the clutch. You got to be quick letting it out to get off the start, but you got to be quick sometimes to pull it back in if the front wheel lifts. Yeah, yeah. To, to slip it so you don't land on your back because otherwise you can go off the back extremely, uh, very, very quickly and really yeah. easily. So I just it's... remember them being so rapid; it was just ridiculous. And you just mentioned kind of north to sixty and two seconds, and that probably sounds about right. But I'm always yeah. kind of so you mentioned there's no brakes, and obviously the, the bikes are light and they're rapid, and obviously it goes faster just because it's like a, a singular vehicle as opposed to say a car where you get yeah. in, in the uh like the, the vessel of the car so naturally mm -hmm. you feel faster anyway because you, you're naturally feeling the, the wind uh obviously the wind speed and things like that but then what happens when you're approaching the corners like is it just a case of i don't know what you call it in terms in the terms like the professional terms when you lean into the floor is that kind of how you navigate slowing down and stuff yes it's all part of it yeah i mean that you'll come into the corners like full gas you, you won't shut off wow. you, you just lean the bike over and it breaks traction right. so you, you back your lane obviously steps out and you that you control your speed with that so you can either it depends on the on the track size and shape and conditions yeah. sometimes you don't need to shut the gas off at all you can literally hold on the whole four laps right. and on the stop um, a lot of the times, tracks like Pooh, where you would go, where you went, I mm. assume that's where you went. That's very local to Bournemouth, and there was a, like I said, it's a, mm. you know, um, good hospitality and stuff down there. Mm. They, um, you come into the corner on the gas, and as you as you lean the bike in, the bike brake traction, you'll you'll ease off a bit, so you yeah. slow the back wheel down. And the idea is that you slow the back wheel down; it um, gets a bit more traction for you. Mm rather than just keeping it spinning too much so you grip better you can go faster it's okay. it's kind of it doesn't make sense that you shut the gas off to go faster but yeah. that's that's what it is you <laughs> you need to slow the wheel down because it's going to spin too fast otherwise okay and what's the kind of the average lifespan of a, of a racer uh a lot of guys go if they start as teenagers that they generally will get early to mid 30s as okay. Average, average. Some go a bit less, some go a bit longer. I, I was 41, I think, when I retired. So I went okay. a bit longer. I, um, I did 26 seasons. Wow. Uh, but there was, another, there was another guy who's recently retired, uh, an American, American guy, uh, mm. Greg Hancock, uh, three-time world champion, I think. Mm. He was 47-ish when he retired. <clears throat> uh, and he was still at the top of his game as well. He was still on top of the world, world-class rider at that age. That's uh, something was... I mean, the, the lifespan <clears throat> there, I was expecting you to say shorter, just based on kind of how intense and kind of uh, the risk of injuries. So I was expecting you to say something more like maybe eight to ten years. Um, but it seems yeah. a bit longer than that. It's pretty much the same as like football, really. Um, yeah. But yeah, where did it all like begin for you? How did it? How did it all start for you? Right, with me, um, <clears throat> my dad used to ride when I was a kid uh, in yeah. the 70s and 80s. He did a little bit of second, like what's called second half, and he didn't quite make the, the main teams a lot. He, he, he did and didn't. He would be in and out. Okay. Uh, he rode for like 10 years. And uh, I've got an older brother who's uh, five years older than me, and mm. he... Um, started doing what's called grass track which is the same as speedway but on, on grass rather than yeah. being on a shield surface and he, he started doing that when he was quite young uh six year old is the youngest you can race okay. and i was riding bikes from three year old as well as my brother was mm -hmm. and then when i turned six i started i sort of followed scott's footsteps and went into the grass track as well right. and and then did that for a couple of years it, we lived in Sunderland then, and it was most meetings were sort of like um, miles away, really. They were like in Cheshire and places like that, so they were all miles away. Mm. So we, we did it for a, a couple of years, then um, I had to stop doing that because I couldn't afford to travel anymore. So my dad then bought me a, a motocross bike, right. 
Right. I did a bit of local schoolboy motocross, which was great fun. Yeah. Great fun. I did that from about the age of eight to 14, 15. Okay. Uh, most weekends. And that I did that. And then from about the age of 12 to 14, I would, I would um, because my brother had then started Speedway, because he was five years old, I mean, you can start at 16. <clears throat> I used to go to the tracks with him, and every now and again, I'd, I'd get a go on his bike after the meeting. Nice. Uh, a few laps. And uh, I kind of, from about the age of 12 to 14, I used to ride his bike, and I got my own bike when I was around about 14. And mm -hmm. then I basically stepped us, us away from the motocross mm -hmm. and started riding Speedway, but just because you can't race you couldn't race at that age then. Yeah. I just used to ride around after the meetings on my own bike okay. um, at uh, Berwick and Middlesbrough and Newcastle every week, three tracks, because uh, Middlesbrough and Newcastle were very local. My brother used to ride for Berwick at the right. time. <clears throat> so be able to put the bike in his van, go up, and it was kind of helping me for costs because he'd, he'd be able to get his costs covered with his racing. Right. And I did that, and then... When I turned 16, I literally stepped straight into a team mm. at Newcastle and then off I went and didn't do very well for my first three quarters of the season. Okay. Yeah, I was just learning that. and then I started scoring a few points as towards the end of that season. Mm. Uh, this was in like 1993, it's quite a long time ago now. And then the following year I stayed with Newcastle and similar sort of thing. It didn't have the most successful a season. It was doing okay. I picked up a little bit as, as the season went on. I got a bit better. And then after 90, 1994, I got uh, picked up by Coventry okay. in what was the top league then and stayed with Coventry for uh, uh, till from 1994 to 2004. So the 10 year. Wow. I did it. And then I did I did do a season at Hull in the meantime, mm. and then went on to another club and went back to Coventry, and did quite a few more seasons with them uh, as time went on as well. It's but then Coventry fortunately closed down. Yeah, I remember because obviously I know where because I'm I'm based in Coventry now. I'm from Leamington, but I live in Coventry. Um, oh, and right. it's actually, um, it was a previous work colleague. Um, so I've literally just changed jobs in the last couple of weeks and it was a, a previous work colleague who told me about yourself um, mm -hmm. so hence obviously one talking to you now but I remember kind of um, driving past the speedway I think it was it in the Bindley area around that way yeah yeah yeah, yeah, I, remember, yeah I think I yeah I drove past it a few times and um, yeah and then obviously it was in the news that obviously they're closing down and things like that which is a bit it's sad. It's always sad when you hear kind of things happening, especially when it's kind of in your local kind of community, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, 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 definitely. I know what you mean. Yeah. So, I mean, so you've obviously had a successful career. Um, I know we touched on injuries before and I mentioned obviously some of the injuries must be really severe. Um, I know you've had some just because the person I spoke to put me in touch with yourself told me that you've had loads of like crazy injuries. So just tell us a bit about those. All oh, right, yeah, yeah. It's been a lot. Um, it's all part and parcel of it. You kind of, uh, you kind of accept it. But some riders get away with more, uh, get away with less than others do. And yeah. I think my first major injury, which was before when I was only fourteen, actually, mm -hmm. I was just um, I broke my left arm, okay. but I broke it quite badly, and it was they didn't the bone didn't break the skin, but it, it was sort of went through a little bit you know and um, a bit of a compound fracture right. um, and then so I ended up in hospital with uh, and then they put a plate in the top part of my left arm mm. and they put a pin in my elbow to, to pull that back into place because the little bit of bone that came off between my elbow and where it broke moved basically went right on my arm Jesus. Um, so that was the first that was the first bone I'd ever broke other than that right. um, and that was pretty major. Yeah. But then um, that was the first one. Then uh, I remember a couple of years later, I had a big crash at Newcastle and fractured my skull. Mm. I had a depressed, depressed fracture, um, which was quite a big one. Then from then, yeah, well, 
broken collarbones, uh, broken ribs, punctured lung twice, uh, broke my back twice, shattered my pelvis, broke my leg, um, broke my my right wrist for your back quite badly. Mm. That was that's given my make stick now actually. I get I've got arthritis in that now because of it. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah, it gives me a lot of discomfort. That does. Wow. But uh, yeah, I broke my ankle. Um, uh, fingers, fingers are all part and parcel of it. You can break. Uh, sometimes you can continue to ride. I broke fingers before in hand where I've been able to continue to ride in the meeting. Right. I've done it times when I, when there's just no way I could do it. So. Okay. Wow. So it's safe to say you've had your, your fair share of kind of injuries from head to toe, really. Um, and, and I mean, there's injuries in all sports, but I mean, there's obviously some that are kind of really, really uh, severe, and obviously this is one of those. Um, what's your average day for, um, like your average, well, say, professional speedway racer? What is your kind of day-to-day -day, um, routine? Uh, with me personally, <clears throat> if it was a, if it was race day, you'd you'd get up, um, get yourself some breakfast, try and have a good breakfast. Obviously, yeah. you've got to yourself up for the day as you do in any sport um depending where the meeting was at you get the get the van loaded up because so long as everything was ready bikes were ready and everything was pre prepared ready uh you'd get the van loaded up get um get everything in order make sure it's full of the van's full of fuel mm -hmm. check things through make sure you've got everything you need you know you always double check because there's nothing worse than getting to the track and you're like oh no i've left more fuel <laughs> or I've left, you know, you've left whatever it might be. Yeah. You know, and you think, oh, no. But, uh, you, so, yeah, you go through all that. Um, a good lunch. Yeah. You know, you, you, I, towards the end of my career, I, I, I learned a lot more I, I, you, about what to eat and what not to eat. Yeah. So you eat and try and eat correct and um, get yourself ready. And then uh, you, most meetings start uh, around about, seven seven thirty depending yeah. which which year it's on which track it's at um <clears throat> so you you then want to make sure you're eating at i would i would try and make sure i was eating around about half four five o'clock ready again for the for the race right. so depending if you had to travel far you'd, you'd either you'd know where you could stop and pick something up that was decent yeah. or you'd prepare something take it with you I, I used to have a mic, well, I still have actually. I've got a microwave in my van because I run, I run an inverter. Right. And uh, so I'd be able to take uh, something, reheat it, and yeah. eat at the track. So you want to get to the track generally around about two hours before the start okay. of the race, or you could get there, eat something. <clears throat> um, so that's race day. Uh, your your non-race day, if it's the day after the meeting, depends if you've got mechanics to clean your bike or not, or if you've got to do it yourself. You, you okay. get up. Uh, if you've got to do it yourself, you get up, you, un you either unload the van, if you haven't unloaded the night prior to when you got home, um, you, you get everything out ready, get your kit, all your, all your kit in the washing machine, get that washed. Yeah. <clears throat> and as, it's, as that's doing, you start then preparing the bikes ready to be cleaned. Yeah. So you, you, take, you, you take them apart quite a lot. You, know, you take the clutch plates out, you take... Um, carburetor off take the wheels out take the chains off yeah. uh, take all the covers off and you if you haven't got a hot wash you've got to degrease all the oil off the bike and Jeez. then use your cold one and if you've got a hot wash look i i had a hot wash i had a steam cleaner so you yeah. wasn't bad that would take all the oil off so you'd then clean everything down you can do a bike if you really push it you can do a bike in about three to four hours um, start okay. to finish on a good run. Um, if ideally you want to spend a bit of time because you got to check check the bike over all the time because things break, things crack, yeah. uh, things come loose. But, you know, uh, so you've, you're forever checking things over, and you want to. You, you, everyone likes their bikes to look good, so you try and yeah. polish them up a little bit. You get them, you, know, you get them looking as as good as you can get them. Um, generally, you could. <clears throat> You take around about half a day if you're not rushing uh, to do each bike. So that's sort of pre pre race day. Uh, sorry, post race day. Mm. Um, you got a day off. 
you get your training done in the meantime <clears throat> when you've got your days off you, you get to the gym you go for a run you go for a bike ride you ride a motocross bike whatever you do for your training some guys some guys do gym work like uh, hit training okay. i used to do that yeah some guys do mountain biking some do a bit of motocross some just go for runs some don't do anything because once you race fit you're racing so regular you keep your fitness up a lot like quite right quite quite well um because you might be racing two three four times a week uh, every you know especially the guys who ride abroad okay in poland one day sweden another day in the uk two days after that or denmark in the meantime germany you know they're they're literally here there and everywhere in europe Mm. um so some guys are literally riding or were riding five six days a week uh or, or even every day sometimes go for like three week periods without a break you know, literally have meetings every night okay. in different so <clears throat> them guys probably wouldn't get a chance to do any kind of training right. so but like i said they wouldn't need to they'd be on the bike every night okay so, and, and what about yourself when you were kind of racing did you get the opportunity to to go and race abroad at all or were you just kind of uk based I was mainly UK based for most of my career. I did a, I did do a little bit in Sweden for a Swedish club. I yeah. did a little bit in Poland uh, for a Polish club. Not a lot because I had a big crash and brought me back from one of the okay. second meet. I think my second or third meeting out there for them, right. and I never went back. I did do other meetings in Poland, but not really team stuff. Um, I did a little bit of German league, not much, <clears throat> and a little bit of Danish league. Again, not a lot, but. Um, yeah, it was. I, d- I did a bit, not as much as what I would have liked. Mm. So, I did manage to get the odd individual meeting the cr- uh, abroad, like whether it may be in Czech, and I did a couple in Germany. I did when I was doing the under 21 world championships, I would do that. And I got to, with uh, Poland a couple of times doing that. Wow. I was in Germany doing that, uh, doing general world championship qualifiers. Mm. The uh, Italy, I did a little bit of Italian league at one stage as well. That was good fun. Okay. Um, some stuff in uh, meetings in Sweden. Um, I raced for in Sweden for a Norwegian club actually at one point as well. Now I think about it. Nice. I so I did do a lot of traveling. I was quite lucky. Yeah. Um, some yeah. guys do a lot, lot more. Um, yeah. Some guys do a lot less. Yeah. So I, managed, I managed to do a little bit of racing in America, which was great. Right. Really good. And uh, New Zealand, a little bit in New Zealand as well. Brilliant. Um, Brilliant. So you basically so you're really well travelled then. <laughs> yes, I've I've been I've travelled a lot more than most people yeah. do. So, um, as far as speedway goes, a lot of guys travel a, a lot more than me. But okay. yeah, I've, I've 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 managed to see the world, and I've sort of got paid for most of it. Not necessarily yeah. get paid very well, but I got paid a little bit. Yeah. And I enjoyed it. It was good fun. I met a lot of people. I've got friends in Australia, I've got friends in New Zealand, America, um, oh, you know, everywhere really. It's it's good, yeah. you know, it's good to get back in touch with everyone now and again. Brilliant. And um, obviously, you hear athletes talking, or former athletes, and they talk about kind of missing what they were doing before. So whether it be tennis, rugby, speedway, football, and they talk about elements of kind of, I miss the dressing room banter or I miss performing and on the day-to-day basis or whatever it may be. Me personally, I don't miss playing football. Um, I mean, there's no right or wrong answer. It just depends on what you're currently doing at this present time in your life. But what, what's the situation for you? Do, you? do you miss racing at all or, or not? I don't miss racing speedway, personally. Um, I, ha- I don't get much chance to go and watch. Well, it's not re- this year there's been hardly anything on anyway, but mm. last year I didn't get much chance to go and watch it with I don't live too far from from Coventry Speedway, so yeah, that is my local club or was my local club. If mm. Coventry had been running, I would have been there every week last year. Okay, <clears throat> but um, because it wasn't running, it's I've not really got the incentive to go at the moment. Mm. Uh, I do keep in touch with a few people, yeah. and <clears throat> uh, if I will start, I will go again and watch. Uh, but I, I don't miss the riding side of it. No, I'd, I'd kind of got to the stage where I wasn't enjoying it. Okay. And I'd done so long and I'd had a really good time for a long time. Yeah. My last couple of seasons weren't the most successful. 
<clears throat> and the just the incentive, the what's it called, the will to win, the the desire, the, you know that that mm. killer instinct in need. Yeah, just it went. It mm. went. The enthusiasm, my enthusiasm. That's what. Okay. It, it went. Um, wow. My enthusiasm for racing, but uh, I managed to luckily get through my last two seasons yeah. injury free. Okay. Um, weren't the most successful personally or club wise, but mm. I, I, yeah, I've managed to I've managed to step away from it. In mm. the meantime, I rode. I do still ride a bit of motocross and enduro, so I still like riding bikes, mm. and I do enjoy the odd race now and again on that. Okay. But when I do that, it's fun. There's no pressure. Yeah. It's just if I want to stop, I can stop. If I want to keep going, I keep going. You know, I can I can ride to whatever effort level I would like to do. Okay. And whereas in speedway, if you're not given a hundred percent because it's your job, you shouldn't be doing it. You, you yeah, have to. Suppose that's the case for kind of I'd say all, if not most sports, anyway. Um, if yeah. You kind of don't know what you're doing, or if you can't perform at the level where you think you should be performing at, uh, for whatever reason, whether it be injury or kind of your mental state or whatever then it's probably time to get out or maybe seek help um you kind of answered my question there because i was going to ask you about kind of when you thought it was time for you to retire um and you've obviously answered that in detail there anyway but in terms of your transition away from speedway to working now on a building site how did you find that process or was there something in between because i don't know if you kind of went straight from there to the building site or you kind of uh, crossroads for a few months or maybe a couple of years or whatever like what was the whole process for you well a couple of years back i was uh, i think i late 20s early 30s maybe thereabouts i can't remember exactly i thought i've got to do got to learn something for when i retire so i've got to do something what do i like doing and i had a bit of a thing about it and i ended up i did a plumbing course okay and when Went to college in Coventry and did a. I, I only managed to get the first year in because the second year is on site and you need a job. Mm. I couldn't get a job. I was still racing at that particular time when I was race, when I was doing my college course. I was actually racing in Swedish league, so I was flying out to Sweden most weeks as well. So I was having to have yeah. years off that. Um, <clears throat> and it didn't really affect my learning on the side of things, but it affected my attendance initially at the beginning. Right. Until the season finished. Once the season had finished, I was 100% attendance. But yeah. the, um, I did that, and yeah, I passed. So I passed the first year. I got that, so I can. I'm sort of half qualified in in mm. plumbing and water and waste. Okay. But I've done. I, I can still do things like that, but I don't really enjoy it. What I preferred to, to do was I was, I always preferred working with wood, doing joinery stuff. So I mm -hmm. I kind of I've been interested in that for a long time. I do a little bit and bobs of that now and again, but um. Fell on my, one one day, moved into the house I'm in now. Um, yeah. Got the one of my neighbours came around, just chatting. How are you getting on? You know, I have a good general background and what you do, what you do for work, and stuff. just general chat, chat. And he went, "Oh," and he says, "Oh, if you ever need any work, come and see us. Well, I can get you in." So, we we started. He, he's a painter. He was. Mm -hmm. And he do uh, painting on uh, building sites, like commercial side of things, commercial okay. sites, not not domestic stuff. Right. And, I started doing that with him. I did that for quite a few years, actually, on and off. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was too busy with the racing, I would stick to the racing. Yeah. And then either, in, either if I had a bit of a quiet lull that period, I'd go back and I'd do a bit with him. Or, I'd, or the winter time, if I wasn't uh, going abroad anywhere for the winter, I'd, yeah. I'd work. And I did that and I've managed to, I stuck with that for quite a long time. So while doing that, I've met other people along the way. Right. And I now work, uh, self-employed still for a fire protection company okay. so contract and so again on commercial on commercial sites so big um, warehouse style um, buildings like uh, places like Amazon and, and Nestle and you know things like that yeah. they, they do all the fire protection so they spray the steel work with the intermessant paint then right. uh, it's got to be most of the time now nine times out of ten it's got to be top coated a different color to the um to what the intermessent is so you mm -hmm. you've got to do that so i'll be doing that um there's lots of 
the, the, what's called hole stopping, okay. where you've got a, there's, there's firewalls between the offices, the office sides of the warehouse. Okay. So what there is the warehouse, there has to be a firewall and there has to be no gaps. Because right. if there's a fire in the warehouse, it, it can't draw air in from another room. And each room has to be uh, airtight to a degree. Mm. So, again, like I say, if there's a fire, it can't draw air, oxygen, right. from another, another part of the building. So we, you've got to do all the hole stop and you find the holes where the, where the uh, cable trays have gone through or air, air condition, uh, conditioning uh, ducting yeah. uh, or, or water pipes, anything. So you, you've got to block all them up. With the special, um, like the, the fireproof stuff. Okay. Uh, so I kind of do a bit of that. I don't do the spraying of the actual intermessent paint. Mm. I, I put the top coat on. So I'm still along, I still do a lot of painting now, but I do the other bits of the other elements to the fire stop one as well, which, which wow. is good. I enjoy it. But it's good. Uh, I work on my own right. um, most of the time, which I've always done anyway. So yeah. Uh, just to that, and yeah, I just go up, I turn up, I, I do my job, and I come home. It's, it's good. That's amazing. And you've gone kind of from one end of the scale to complete opposite. And that's more or less what I've done. I'm working in property now, so completely different to football uh, or sport yeah. in general. Um, so how did, you find, how did you find the transition moving away? Like, Well, um, because I'd been doing it, for a while it wasn't so bad once i yeah. finished with this, I, I could step straight into what i was doing but yeah <clears throat> it's a, obviously i missed the lifestyle yeah because it's a great lifestyle and um mm. you know it's an evening job so you you're not having to get up um I, I, now i get up at five o'clock every morning right whereas then i would get up maybe between seven and nine o'clock depending if i'd been racing the night before or whatever if i had stuff to do yeah. so you could kind of get up when you want so to speak um you you had the day to yourself you had time to do what you wanted yeah, mm. if i wanted to wash my van i'd go and wash my van if i wanted to go to the gym i'd go to the gym or, right. you know go and do some housework or, or do whatever yeah now i just haven't got time to do anything <laughs> i get up i go to work i come home i have something to eat i have a shower and i go to bed yeah yeah <laughs> No, nah, I mean, it's really commendable that you've obviously done what you've done in, in Speedway and then you've obviously found a successful career in obviously what you're doing at the moment. What's your actual title in terms of what you're doing at the moment? Um, I don't really know, to be honest. I've, I have to fill forms out now. When you go on site, you, on your site, you have your induction, you fill the forms out. And yeah. it actually says job, job title. I always leave a blank. I don't actually know. <laughs> I don't know if you're just supposed to put fire protection or, or what. Yeah. I don't really know, to be honest. <laughs> wow. Uh, that's amazing. And in terms of your kind of transferable skills, because uh, I generally ask this question to people that I speak to, what are your transferable skills that you've brought from Speedway to obviously doing what you're doing now? Uh, well, working with my hands is what, like, when, when, within the bike preparation and everything has always been working with your hands. So you're doing things you're thinking about what you're doing mm. so that kind of stuff you know if there's a bit of a technical thing you need to do on site or if it's difficult to do for whatever reason you, you've got to stop you think about things you think yeah. when you do all that <clears throat> so st taking a step back and um thinking about things is part of it all um just generally working with my hands really and, yeah. and being practical i've i've always been a practical person i'm Mm. Uh, academically, I wasn't too bad. I didn't get too bad a result at school. Wasn't yeah. the best, wasn't the worst. I was kind of mid-range. Yeah. Um, but if it was practical side of things, like physical things, like mm. sports at school, I was great at. I loved it. Okay. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. Um, but that was, again, like being practical with doing stuff. So mm. that's all transferred over into what I do now because I'm just, I'm on the go all day. Yeah. On my feet all day, every day. Um, and that's that's it really it's mm. um i do have to manage my own manage myself which i've always had to do for the racing which is mm. probably a really good thing actually because it, it's i have to uh, plan things and work out all my um do all my own invoicing and that sort of side of things as well right. which i did have to do for racing at, at one stage mm. so i had to learn all that <clears throat> um 
but yeah, managing myself in general is is all part of it because with the speedway, you, you you're planning two, three, four weeks in advance for mm. engine engine tuning and and things like right. that. You know, okay. So you, you're looking at your fixtures so far in advance to plan mm. uh, ahead and get things in in place. If you needed the hotel room, you'd get your hotel sorted out. If mm. you know, depending. Because sometimes you might be like we do northern what we call northern tours. Um, we'd be maybe working to one night, Glasgow the next night, and um, Edinburgh, or, or we'd be working to. Hang on, I'll be sorry. I can't try to think what days each club ran on. Working to New Zealand <laughs> on Saturday. Edinburgh will be a Friday. Yeah. So you might do Middlesbrough or Red Car on a Thursday, Edinburgh on a Friday. Yeah. Then you might do Glas uh, working on a Saturday and Glasgow on a Sunday. So you right. might do four, a four-day run. You might do them two time, two days at a time, um, and do the Friday and Saturday, and then a couple of weeks later go and do the Saturday and Sunday, or, or whatever it might be. Yeah. So again, like all that type of things, planning and manage, manage, management in general, really, okay. is, uh, is all a big part of it. That's great. And obviously, just going back slightly, you mentioned that you kind of took it off your own back, whereby you thought, well, I need to do something else. Um, you need to learn another skill or another trade, and you, you obviously went off and sourced the the the, uh, the opportunity. At, um, I think you said it was Coventry Uni where you were doing the plumbing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean that shows obviously great self awareness and, and character in itself. Um, but aside from that, did you get any help? Because in football terms, we have a, the PFA, which do a great job. Sometimes they get a bit of slap just because people think that more needs to be done. I do think more needs to be done, but they do a great job. And they generally help players uh, who are well, current players and also former players as well uh, with kind of anything. I don't know if you've got the same kind of um, remit within the speedway circuit. Uh, if not, did you get help from anyone else, like people who you may have met or come across during your career or kind of, I don't know, I don't know if you did source any help at all. Um, no, there's nothing. You once yeah. you retire, you retire. Some wow. some guys can get a job within the sport. Yeah. Um, whether it be like team management or even just mechanic and helping riders out. Mm. Um, it's, it's most just walk away from it. You stop and that's it. You walk away, uh, which is one I did. Um, yeah. Obviously, you make a lot of contacts within the sport. Yeah. Over your career. So <clears throat> them contacts do come in handy now and again, and, and they still do. Mm. Not so much for work, but for things outside of work. Like for my racing, some of my sponsors still help me. Okay. Which, which is really good. I, I, I ride a bit of enduro and a bit of motocross yeah. uh, just for fun. But obviously, I still need all the equipment. I still need a bike. I still need yeah. uh, tires. I still need helmets, gloves, goggles, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So I'm quite lucky in that respect that I've got a, a really good sponsor still up in, in the Newcastle area, mm. a company called STS, and they're um, stay for tire services, what they are, and they they specialise in alloy wheels for vans. Okay. And they do lot they do tires for car vans as well, but they also have a motocross shop on the side. Oh, they they the tires things and they, they run that as a part of the business as well. Okay. And that's the side of it that always helped me and they still do with if I need some goggles uh, if I ring them uh, or, or some boots or whatever he'll, he'll either he still sometimes gives me stuff for free yeah uh, if not he would do me a very good price which is I mean he doesn't need to do any of this it, it's, it's yeah. just the, uh, the goodness you know he, the guy likes me obviously I, I yeah. assume so <laughs> which true. is good <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he's still really good to me that they are and mm -hmm. I, I like to keep in touch. He's actually, I, I kind of class him as a friend anyhow. He's a nice guy right. and yeah, yeah. keep in touch. And um, yeah, it, that's, um, that's been a good thing. But as far as work goes, there's nothing really links back to my work right. as far as racing. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's just, but I still have contacts. Like I see it for things I might want if I'm, if, if I need a van or whatever it might be, there's still contacts within the sport yeah. that I could approach. Yeah. And it would generally help me in that, in that side of things. Okay. Coming from a more broader kind of angle now, uh, more of a generic question in terms of sport in general, um, 
do you think more needs to be done for athletes when it comes to approaching retirement or at the start of your career and kind of maybe implementing things where you can maybe learn another trade or another skill? Because I think more needs to be done, to be honest, because I hear so many people kind of scared of retirement and don't want to talk about it or the, 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 the approach to retirement is always seen as a negative or, or more often than not it is anyway. Uh, athletes retire and then they don't know what they're doing afterwards and they end up in a situation where kind of their their kind of description is losing their identity and you know obviously you've heard the stories on the news and there's various different strands and facets and reasons why this can happen but I think it can be eradicated slightly if there's more help or more understanding throughout your career rather than just maybe giving someone some information when it's kind of too late maybe yeah I, I agree Definitely, it would be good. It certainly would have helped me if, if, if I could have had some kind of help. Like you see, yeah. at the start of your career, you should mm. be encouraged to, um, to do, to, whether to be study or to get some kind of trade yeah. uh, or, or whatever, you know, like, so you, you've got something behind, behind you in case your racing career doesn't work because not everyone's, at any sporting career, if you sport, yeah. not every sporting career works. Mm. And, <clears throat> Probably, maybe it's like 90% of people who try to go into a sporting career probably don't make it. And the 10% mm. who look enough that do, yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, sometimes you can make enough money to not to that you can retire off. Mm. Um, in Speedway, it's a bit more difficult to do that. Mm. Some guys do, um, literally a handful would do that, though, not many, mm. and they'd be the world class guys. But yeah. um, in the UK, I think, yeah, it should be more encouraged. And then at the end of the career, what do you do? You've, unless you've got in your own mind, you know what you're doing. Mm. So I know guys who don't do anything. You know, what do they, they don't know what to do because they can't do anything. Yeah. So, but I know in, in Denmark, uh, certainly, um, a lot of the Danish riders, before they start riding abroad and whatnot, they'll um, study till they're like 18 or 20 or whatever sort of age and they'll get some kind of trade behind them whether it be uh, in engineering or whatever it might be yeah so they've always got that to fall back on and yeah. they, they, they can do that when they retire yeah but, uh, definitely, more definitely i mean i agree with what you're saying there um you touched on Denmark, <coughs> and i think that's just the scandinavian kind of train of train of thought anyway because i had a period of time in iceland i was playing football over there and um all the players I played with, they all either knew a trade or they were teachers in schools or whatever. So football didn't work out, which invariably it was working out because they were playing at a, a decent professional level over there. Um, but mm. if it didn't, or when it came to retirement, straight into a job because they're already doing it whilst they're playing anyway. So yeah. I don't know why that can't be implemented over here. I understand obviously the Premier League and maybe the Championship, it's a different scenario because the money's kind of sky high, but kind of certainly League One, League Two and below, it should just be like in America, whereby you go to college and you need to get decent grades and show that your obviously attendance is, is high in order for you to perform, whether it be American football or soccer, as they call it, or yeah. whatever. And that's been going on from day dot, from what I can remember. Um, so it's it certainly with the infrastructure in the UK and the financial backing that we've got here, across the board for most sports, I'd say, it should be implemented. Uh, I think anyway, but it's easy said than done. I mean, I, I obviously don't know the the, the kind of uh, the financial um, kind of parameters behind it all, but surely people have spoken about this who are kind of more powerful than me. But it still doesn't seem to be the case where it hasn't come to fruition yet anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, I really appreciate you coming in and obviously speaking to me today. Um, really enjoyed the chat, and you've given us an insight into what it's like to be a speedway racer. And obviously appreciate that you've transitioned away from that and now doing something completely different, which is great. So if you want to just let everyone know, kind of again, where we can find you personally uh, on social media uh, and also the name of the company that you're working for and where we can obviously find that company if need be. Because there could be someone out there who wants to, wants to use your services. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, me personally, it's just my name. It's just Stuart Robson. I'm on Facebook. Yeah. Um, I think I'm Robo186 on uh, Twitter. I can't remember now. I, I don't, it's been that long since I sort of said anything like that now. Uh, yeah. I might be Stuart Robson on, on, on Twitter as well. Yeah. And I'm on Instagram. It might be Instagram that I'm Robo186 on. I can't remember. 
Um, yeah, uh, that's that's how that's they're all just personal accounts and not like um, racing accounts or anything like that. Yeah. But yeah, the company I'm working with is is called um, G E Fire Protection Limited. Um, that's they do, like I said, they do the fire protection on um, warehouse and um, large buildings. Uh, it's um, based in Market Harbour and Cambridge. There's two offices, so. Yeah. Yeah, uh, quite decent team, decent enough company to work for. I enjoy working for them. And yeah, it's, it's all good. Brilliant. Good stuff. Uh, like I said, appreciate you coming on. Enjoy the chat and obviously keep doing what you're doing. I hope things go uh, well for you going forward. Thanks, mate. Thanks. I enjoyed the chat too. And thanks for contacting me. It's been uh, been quite, uh, quite interesting and quite good to speak Brilliant. to you. No problem. See, see you soon. Speak soon. Cheers, Danny. Thanks, mate. Bye Thank now. Bye-bye.